Welcome to this week's episode of The Drama Club. We talk about everything. The Rona, Harvey Weinstein, Andrew Gillum, and then May tells the crazy story of Jim Jones and Jonestown. Stay tuned. What up, fam? What up, fam? Feels good, right? Feels good, right? <laughs> Yeah, I know it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And without further ado, we broadcast live from CA to M. Oh, Andrew Gillum? That shit Who's is that? hilarious. Who's that? What oh. is that? Uh, it's the he ran for governor of Florida the last time, so in 2018, lost okay. by this much. Supposed to be the next Obama. Good looking. Black band has all of the characteristics that you want in a politician. Got Tell me his name again. Sorry. Andrew Gillum. Andrew Gillum. Okay. Got caught. Oh, I did see that yesterday. In a Miami hotel room with someone ODing on meth. Oh, the person was a gay escort, it says. Oh, is that confirmed? Uh, That's the New York Post. What's that? Uh, that's it, It's a kind of CD, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, he claimed from what I heard, he said that they were all guests at a wedding and he had too much to drink and his homie got was do, was doing meth, basically. And, he, right. and he's like, I've never done meth. Right. <laughs> but I've also never done meth. I've also never been around anybody doing meth. Right. Like you know, if you like, see somebody doing that in a hotel room, you're I'd probably be like, like, what? I'm out of here. Yeah. Especially if you're him. Right yeah yeah someone with a bright political future uh, it just seems like a bad an error in judgment no matter what the story is oh yeah there's a lapse in judgment there so oh yeah i don't know maybe r.i.p to his career i don't know oh yeah i'm sure it's over people have come back from worse though mm, that's true <laughs> anthony weiner almost came back <laughs> almost he almost had it all <laughs> But he got greedy. Yeah. Hmm. His dick was greedy. <laughs> greedy ass dick. Is he still in prison? I think he got out recently. Oh, okay. We should have uh we should have been counting down the days. We should have had an Anthony Weiner oh, alert. Yeah. Weiner alert. <laughs> Aw. Yeah, I had written down uh um fuck what's wrong with me elizabeth warren on snl at the beginning of the week that kind of was like a story that was you know yeah. pe- it was controversial a bit. Yeah, yeah yeah and then it got overshadowed by like everything mm-hmm. <laughs> right away um i do believe people that are saying though like if it would have been bernie who dropped out he would have immediately endorsed her oh for sure yeah and I- she just you know yeah gonna go on snl <laughs> yeah uh I do have a kind of got to hear both sides kind of thing about this. I I, I do think she should have endorsed immediately yeah. or yeah. not imme- like whatever. She should have endorsed. By the time she went on SNL, she should have endorsed. Right. But uh, also, I don't like these people who are like, what is she doing on SNL, period? Like, go away. Yeah. What do you mean? Why? Yeah. Yeah. Bernie went on SNL during the election last time and no one yeah. said shit. Yeah. Who cares about that? Yeah. But I mean, at this point. Now, I kind of feel like she would be doing more harm than good if she endorsed Bernie. Bernie? Yeah. So I, she's kind Did of you like... you see Yang endorse Biden? Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're kind of like... Now, it's like you're between a rock and a hard place. Right. 
I feel like, I don't know if that's a hot take. We just all need to get behind one person at this point. Like, right. It's no, I think you're right. Uh, it's March. What is the yeah. convention? Uh, like September or something like, yeah, that is too much time to be fighting amongst each other when we mm-hmm. have a bigger problem. Mm hmm. The Rona. The Rona. <laughs> the Rona. <laughs> no way. <laughs> okay, so we got to talk about the Rona. I know. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, stay safe out there, everyone. How are you feeling about it? You like uh, anxiety? Uh, yeah, worried? I have anxiety for sure because of my family. Yeah. Because of my grandma more than anything. Mm-hmm. And we're such a big family. Like, oh, yeah. And you- everybody, I mean, and everybody works. So mm-hmm. I don't know. And the, the numbers obviously aren't fucking accurate. So, right. You don't really know how many people are infected. And yeah, that's our problem. That's our th- yeah. <laughs> amongst other yeah. things. Yeah, that's our fucking problem. Went to the doctor yesterday. Yeah, you did? Yeah. My doctor was like, um, you you swim, right? And I was like, No, I don't swim, I spin. And she was like <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, um, I don't know about that right now. She's like, it's yeah. she's like, it's a small room. No, people are you shouldn't like, do that. People are like huffing and puffing. Yeah, don't do uh, that, eh? And I was like, Yeah, you're right. I'm not yeah, I will, I'll stay away from that. Mm-hmm. Um and uh yeah i i guess i don't have as much uh, like on a personal note i'm like immunocompromised so i like try to i'm taking steps to protect myself you know right so i'm not like super scared about the virus itself but i am worried about how people are fucking acting that's exactly how i feel i'm scared of like I think we are gonna have like a food shortage and a water shortage and shit because look how people are acting yeah yeah, it's not the virus. Right. It's like yeah. the public paranoia and panic. <laughs> yeah. That's going to cause these greater issues. So, and like, then, I, I, stopped, I, I stopped by the supermarket yesterday. The shelves were motherfucking empty. empty. Oh, it's crazy right now. A single can on the shelf. So I was like, well, I guess I better grab this Get fucking it? can then. Yeah. And I just, I, that gave me anxiety. And I was kind of like, well, uh, now it's like I'm being defensive. Yeah. You know? That's how I feel. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm so fucking annoyed about the whole thing and like everything. <laughs> I I feel and like I have to go grocery shopping like yeah. And it's going to be wild. I know it. And I tried to order before I went to the grocery store. Oh, me too. And everything's out. Yeah, everything's yeah. out. So I was like I'm going to have to fucking go to the grocery store where I don't have any business being. First of all, no, cuz it don't. was like yeah, there's so many go. people in there so i was like i'm just gonna fucking go because i know that people are going crazy so let me just like go get what i can got that single can (laughs) like some sweet potatoes like there's nothing yeah i was like bitch what is a sweet potato what am i supposed to do with that shit (laughs) put it in the oven and throw honey on (laughs) oh yeah yeah that shit's bomb oh i ate so many chocolate covered marshmallows yesterday oh what where'd you get those at (laughs) i i've been having those and i was like well if this is all i have (laughs) You got a ration of man. Don't go crazy. No, now my tummy hurts. Oh man. Uh. So everybody needs to stay safe, practice social distancing. Yeah. Please don't go out if you don't need to go out. Right. And don't like get enough 
get food for i think the department two of weeks. homeland security says two weeks right right yeah. get two but don't weeks. be fucking ridiculous yeah because then you're forcing all of us to be fucking well, ridiculous that's exactly what's happening like now there's gonna be a shortage and now we all need to be fucking ridiculous yeah yeah it's i'm so fucking annoyed by this i think it's gonna be like this for a lot longer than we think too oh yeah for sure yeah and people are like taking it lightly or ignoring it and that's not my dad was like uh kind of annoyed by it he's like it's like y2k again and i was Was like like that and i was like let me tell you the difference between y2k and during y2k we had president bill clinton who oh yeah is a lot of things but he's a motherfucking competent leader yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) so yeah we didn't have to in the worst case scenario we were gonna recover (laughs) and the moment came and went and then everybody calmed down yeah exactly we're not gonna have some like pinpoint moment like that yeah here Mm -hmm. if anything i'm prepping that this i think he has it and he's gonna say that he has it and then people are gonna freak out even more oh you think so yeah unless he tries to hide it but i don't know how i think try to hide it i think if he has it he's not gonna say that he has it and he's gonna be they're gonna say oh he's in self-quarantine oh okay yeah because he's an idiot (laughs) but even if he self-quarantines i think that's enough to send the public into like complete panic mode again oh maybe you know uh ivanka's in self-quarantine yeah justin trudeau and his wife who tested positive yeah are self-quarantining and that you know they very healthy Mm -hmm. young young competent (laughs) (laughs) yes we don't want to get the coronavirus honestly i don't know if i don't know if this is bad or dark but i was like oh ivanka like ivanka has it okay like maybe that will make him fucking take, take it this seriously. seriously yeah 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 i don't know i don't know i think i just keep thinking like how different the response would be if we had literally anybody else mm-hmm. in the presidency yeah yeah i have i like a serious question i guess to pose to my question to someone who is a Trump voter like do you is this the person that you want in charge of something during, like this? Right, honestly, like during honestly, an emergency like, like you, this. You may like this person, you may like his policies, but in something like this, is this the person that you want in charge? Do Do you trust this yes man mm-hmm. to make the proper decisions for mm-hmm. all of us? Le- yeah, <laughs> like let's say, and even let's say you don't care about just mankind in general but what about just you and your family do Mm -hmm. you think that he's gonna make the right choices that will help (laughs) (laughs) or even you know what at this point i'm not even hoping for help i'm just hoping for don't hurt us right (laughs) you know just like the bare minimum right (sighs) who was the dude uh the chinese billionaire who donated all the masks and tests I don't know. Um, I did see that going viral. I don't know who he is, and I don't remember what company it was that he's a part of. But what a uh, fucking hero! What a man! What a person! <laughs> yeah, what a thank legend. you to that man. <laughs> yeah, thank you to this man. I don't know this man. <laughs> and also, I think there's light at the end of the tunnel because in the center the epicenter of the virus the wuhan province they went from the peak of fifteen thousand cases in one day to yesterday 15 so like three or something yeah. yeah 
but they self-quarantined everybody for 50 days they yeah. set up a bunch of temporary hospitals mm-hmm. to provide testing and treatment yeah and i don't know if we're gonna see that happening in the u.s i know they capitalism is a hell of a <laughs> didn't they they test 10 million people within the first couple of weeks or within the yes. first month yes we're yeah. in march this has been around since at least january Here. in the u.s yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so i don't know yeah it's not looking great did you see the guy who got on the jet blue flight no he tested positive and knowing that he tested positive he still got on the flight Oh God. And then I think it was from Florida to New York or New York to Florida, something like that. And then when they landed, he told security or he told the flight attendants. So then they had to like keep everyone on the plane. What a asshole, man. They JetBlue made a statement saying they've banned him for life from uh, using oh, good. their airline. Yeah. What a dick. Yeah. I'm sorry. Th- you're a fucking dick. Yeah. If you're feeling sick, fucking self-quarantine yeah don't be a dick even if you're not feeling sick because some people are just carriers yeah some people are asymptomatic yeah Yeah. seriously like just do the right thing for fellow mankind stay inside don't go outside if it's not necessary don't hoard shit yeah um don't shake hands don't say shake hands be mindful of Mm -hmm. others be helpful if you see people who are older yeah and you can help them Mm -hmm. you know they're the at-risk age group yeah. And we should help them because we are, like, I'm talking about me and May. Like, we're younger. I know mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners are younger. Yeah. We will be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not about us. It's about everyone else. This old lady at the supermarket uh, tried to take my cart from me after I was done. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. I, I grabbed the sanitizers and I wiped it for her first. Yeah. And I was like, no, don't just grab stuff like that. And she was like, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. People are just scared. You know, they're, like, not thinking right. Mm-hmm. And it's causing this like greater like social panic. It's crazy like to see how like it creates this social paranoia and like panic, right? Like it's scary because like this is like, I don't know. It, imagine if it was something really dire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised. Honestly, we haven't seen more looting and stuff like mm-hmm. that because I think it's going to get to that. I mean, I hope not. I, I have. I hope not too. I have some hope in our fellow man I, I don't know if that's i don't know maybe maybe i shouldn't but <laughs> maybe that's naive maybe that's the romantic in me i really want to does anyone have any like books book recommendations that are like disaster i would like to read like a disaster book right now god damn it man <laughs> um like a uh, lord of the flies-esque except i don't like lord of the flies so not that one uh i remember reading lord of flies when in, we were little yeah but, when we were little i hated that yeah. fucking book I don't remember it like enough to feel any kind of way about it. Someone said that that shit would never have happened if they were little girls. Like if they were little girls, they <laughs> would have true, built though. like a, a little society. They would have been thriving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, was there anything else? Like this is like the only thing that's like consuming me. How do you feel about it? You've said like kind of anxious, right? Uh, Yeah. But yeah, I feel like, okay, I feel like, like you said, we're going to be okay. Worried about yeah. other people. Other people. Me too. Um, I'm I'm trying to be just extra vigilant. For instance, I'm not going to do spin anymore. I'm thinking yeah. about getting that Peloton 30 day free trial though. You should. I've been trying to make plans. I'm like, where am I going to put it? Maybe in here in the podcasting closet or in the garage. Yeah. Yeah, in the garage. Yeah, you should, me. Yeah. Why not? So. I know. I was like, it sucks because I like to run, but and mm-hmm. it's been raining. But I mean, uh, I still yeah. ran. I ran outside today, but mm-hmm. I don't know how it's going to be the next few days, and but, I'm not going to go to the gym. Right that's disgusting that's what i think i think maybe i'll take up hiking like once the for the rain stops yeah for sure 
Um, <laughs> you know, you know who's um, who doesn't have to worry about this? Harvey who? Weinstein. Oh, that's true. Because he's going to jail for a very long time. Actually, he should worry about it because if it gets spread in jail, it's getting everywhere. Well, my point is he's dying in prison anyway. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so yeah. whether it's now or 23 years from right, now. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> at Harvey minimum, Weinstein. at minimum, because he's also, oh, but his sentence, okay, because he's also uh, on trial here in, in Los Angeles. So that on if, civil trial? No, criminal, criminal oh. charges. So if he gets convicted of criminal charges here in L.A., th- his sentence will most likely be concurrent, right? They can't, right. like a separate no, judge like, can't uh-uh. tack it on. Yeah, so 23 no. years he's going to be in in prison. What a, what a feat. I know. And my favorite thing is that uh, before the sentencing, his lawyer said, Judge, Your Honor, if he gets more than five years, he's not going to make it in jail because of his health or whatever and the judge was like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay so 23 years <laughs> yeah good he's a fucking monster yep goodbye yeah sorry to this man <laughs> sorry. yeah sorry not sorry to that man yeah no oh but i mean good point you're bringing up the jails back to the rona though yeah seriously I the jail we- system is in it's in danger i think we all need to advocate for releasing whoever does not need to be in there yep because it's a danger to public health mm-hmm. and that's what i gotta say about that <laughs> also another thing about jail they're not getting they have to pay for their soap did you know that no but have, i know well like what was tiff saying they only get to take one shower, shower a, week. a week yeah yeah it's not the most hygienic place right right but they should be getting free soap yeah. first and foremost yeah <laughs> That's fucking ridiculous. It's so fucking ridiculous. Oh, <sighs> gosh. Please tell me you have a, an uplifting one today, man. <laughs> it's not? Oh, no. Um, Welcome to the drama club. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> My name is ah! May. <laughs> <laughs> it's your girl, Steph. And uh, this is the podcast about viruses viri <laughs> drama celebrity scandals is there anything more dramatic than the corona right now the rona uh my story oh damn it okay because um wait oh. hold on so what is this podcast about celebrity scandals gossip, gossip. drama biography sports yep. news etc 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 hoarding <laughs> sometimes 90 day fiance we have fun sometimes guys. oh that's true sometimes we do that's very true yeah yeah yeah. so uh i'm doing the story of jonestown May. <laughs> oh no i am excited though this is wonderful <laughs> i love this sto- i mean this is I mean, this yeah, sounds yeah, so yeah, bad yeah. no but, but i know, you know what, what you mean. mean yeah yeah this is such an interesting one to me and it's uh, every time like I remember Jonestown, like, cause right. you know, I remember the first time hearing about it and like getting into that fucking hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure. then every so often you'll be reminded of it mm-hmm. or something, and I similarly get into a fucking hole again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is one of those things for sure that like, w- like when you did the um, Heaven's Gate, that it's so interesting. When I first heard about it, just like captivated me. But I don't think I understood the scale of it until I was much, much older. And Jonestown is like fucking twelve yeah. times that scale. It's fucking crazy. I wrote cult alert. (laughs) Okay, so for this, I listened to the podcast Case File and their three-part series on Jonestown. I 
cannot praise the work that they did over there enough on this topic. It's very thorough and well-researched. And a couple years ago, I read the book, The Road to Jonestown, Jim Jones and the People's Temple by Jeff Gwynn. And that's another great resource if you really want to get into the weeds on this thing. I wish I would have had time to reread that, but. The, Dude, that's ridiculous. The, the Rona. Yeah. We, we got other things. Mm-hmm. Okay. So James Warren Jones, AKA Jim, named after his father, was born on May 13th, 1931 in Crete, Indiana. His mother, Lynetta, said that when she was in labor, her dead mother appeared to her, and that led her to believe that she was giving birth to a messiah. Oh, my God. So, I mean, right up, like, at the jump. Yeah. There is some shit going on here. Yeah. The Joneses were extremely, extremely poor. And remember that this is around the Great Depression. So, Jim grew up in a shack with no plumbing. Think of um, that Dorothea Lang photograph where it's like that woman in the dust yeah. bowl who's like that. That's oh. like what I immediately came to mind when I heard that. With the great, yeah, you always do, right? Mm-hmm. That picture is so crazy. So this family was very dysfunctional and cold to each other. James Sr. suffered lung damage from fighting, for fighting in World War I, which made talking difficult. So he never really spoke. At least not about anything of substance, just like, yes, no, because it, it hurt, you know? So little Jim kind of just grew up isolated in this silent, icy home that made him feel neglected, lonely, and ashamed. This made it difficult for him socially once he started going to school. However, as far as his studies went, it turned out that Jim was incredibly smart, gifted even. And even as a kid, took particular interest in philosophy, politics, and the lives of leaders of movements like Stalin. Oh, (laughs) my bae Stalin. (laughs) (laughs) Marx, Mao, Gandhi, and Hitler. But those dark inner feelings weren't going anywhere. And they were even apparent to people around him because one of his neighbors took pity on the lonely boy and started taking Jim to Pentecostal revival services so that he could have some sort of social interaction. But these were those, and like, I'm, I'm really sorry if this is offensive, maybe it isn't, but I'm going to call them religious extremists. Right. These are those people who were speaking in tongues and like supposedly healing people and shit. Right, and like fainting during church uh-huh. and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, that thing. What is that documentary? Um, uh, child. Yeah, ye- camp. No, Jesus God camp. camp. Jesus, Jesus camp. camp. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's a that good one, guys. Yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's got to be streaming somewhere. Try to find that if it's up somewhere. Seriously, watch that shit. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so what I mean is like this wasn't fucking Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Jim got obsessed with church. Because, like, this is what he does. Like, he got obsessed with those leaders and he wanted to read everything about them, you know? And he's, like, this voracious reader and he's a good student. So, like, he, he's like, okay, we're going to be into this now? All right, I'm fucking into it, you know? Right, right. Yeah, so he got super obsessed with church. And this actually worried Lynetta because she believed in supernatural stuff, but she didn't believe in God. So this, like, made her uncomfortable. Right. Which is weird because she thought he was the Messiah, but, like, she, yeah, she's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. meanwhile jim is getting so into all this stuff that he starts preaching he's a child mind you mm-hmm. so first he starts preaching to his many pets and various animals that he captured and later in his teens to other local kids 
but the kids still didn't fuck with him because now look how fucking weird he is. Like, this is fucking weird. Right. <laughs> <laughs> also, he got obsessed with death. Oh. One childhood acquaintance claimed that Jim stabbed a cat to death. <gasps> what? Red flag. Super red flag. Oh my gosh, me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is around the time that Lynetta had enough and she put a stop to him going to church. But Jim was still into preaching, so he kept doing that. One of the things that really drove him was the fact that he looked around and noticed a lot of racial inequality. Remember that we're in the 1940s now, so pre-civil rights era. And Jim was absolutely horrified and disgusted by this and wanted to find a way to make a difference. And let me tell mm. you, it shocked me how many times I said to myself, like, this guy, Jim, he's got some good ideas. I know, but I know. <laughs> oh. Anyway, James Sr. was in the KKK. <sighs> that motherfucker also, can't even do you talk. Think, do you think that Jim, like, kind of used this as a front because he knew that minorities he could take advantage of? Oh, 1000%. I'm going to get into that. Yeah. Okay. But he but he did really believe in it though. Like he, yeah. You don't think it was all for show? It's for show for a different thing that I'm going to get to. Okay. But but he did really like care about this. Okay. So okay. because his dad was in the KKK. Right. So he saw firsthand like how ugly that was and as soon as like he was old enough to understand what it was, like that was a wrap between the relationship with him and his dad. He was like, no, fuck that. And he never really spoke to his dad after that. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially after Lynetta divorced him. So he didn't really fuck with his dad. Then Jim met Marceline Baldwin, a nurse, while he was a senior in high school and working as an orderly at a local hospital. After he graduated with honors, he and Marceline got married in 1949, and he attended Indiana University Bloomington and made straight A's. Hmm. But once again, was very socially isolated with not a single friend. By this time, Jim had become agnostic about God. This wasn't something that made a difference to him either way, as his focus had become civil rights. But despite this, the area he thought he could make the most difference in was at local churches that were quite frankly, racist and resistance, resistant to integration. Right. So in 1952, he became a student pastor at a Methodist church. But he eventually got kicked out when he tried to integrate the, con the congregation. Jim really wanted to walk the walk when it came to this passion of his. So he and uh, Marceline very deliberately started what they refer to as their quote unquote rainbow family. And they adopted three Korean children, a Native American child, a black child, and much later a white child. But the adoption of children of different races was something that was very radical and extremely rare at the time. When Marceline walked around holding her black son, a woman literally spat on them. Mm. They were literally the first white family in Indiana to adopt a black child. Right. So again, I'm like, oh, good for you. Like, yeah. <laughs> it is weird. You know, it was a weird thing yeah. to feel about this monster yeah so jim and marceline also had a biological son so we're talking seven kids in all besides churches and their own family jim actively did the work to integrate local businesses the telephone company the police department and a hospital 
Jim, in his never-ending quest to move society towards a place of greater equality, became at first attracted by socialism and then later full-on communism after attending Communist Party meetings in Indiana. Hmm. So Jim thinks to himself, how can I spread communism in the United States? (laughs) It's a thought we've all, you know, it's all crossed through. What American can't say that that hasn't crossed their mind? And he's like, I know, through the church. So this is like kind of what you're saying, that everything else kind of becomes a front to spread communism. Okay. The church, the civil rights thing, it all becomes just a part of this. Right. So he buys a really old abandoned church and starts his own church. And to attract attention and bring in larger and larger flocks, he borrows some of the stuff he saw back when he was a kid from the revival churches, speaking in tongues, healing people, etc., a.k.a. AKA scamming. So notice this is when things start kind of going off the rails. Not to mention that he was really progressive, obviously on race and equality, and he brought in contemporary music and he wore aviator glasses. He, right. he wasn't a regular preacher. He was a cool preacher. Right, right. He wore a beanie and a long <laughs> rosary. You know. Anyway, so obviously this is appealing to a certain type of worshiper, particularly young people and people of color who didn't feel welcome or didn't feel like their values aligned with the other congregations around them. So it's 1956 and Jim's church now called the People's Temple Christian Church Full Gospel is motherfucking poppin. Right. People who come to a church wanting to be healed are obviously desperate. I'm talking mm-hmm. about I'm not talking about uh, spiritual healing. I'm talking about like literal like I broke my leg heal this shit type of people. Or like drug addicts. Yes, drug addicts. A lot of yeah. drug addicts go to church to find sobriety because yeah. they literally have no other no, nothing place else to, to turn to. to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jim, he knew that and specifically courted these poor, desperate people to milk them dry in some cases of their life savings. Right. He hired spies to eavesdrop on parishioners or show up at their houses pretending to be census takers or from the mayor's office or whatever so that he or like look through their trash so that when they were in church he could be like i can read minds and there's someone over here that has cancer you sir i believe it's you am i right you see everyone he said i'm right well come over here i command the cancer out you are healed my brother now give me all your money when i pass the collection plate yeah so I mean, I'm not on his side anymore. Needless to say, I'm not on his side. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or like, remember what happened to Andy Kaufman in uh, Man on the Moon, like where he goes to the Philippines and someone like pulls the cancer out of him and it's like just like balled up shrimp or something in his hand. Right. He was doing that. He was doing literally that where he would like pretend pull something out of people and it was like just like balled up meat or something. Shut up, May. Yeah, so. mm Mm-mm evil evil yeah anyway the quote-unquote healings would come at the end so parishioners had to sit through you know a couple of hours of his sermons on improving the rights of women and minorities and the poor to get the shit that they motherfucking came for right so that's how he justified his actions like fucking guess like he started straight up i don't know just like 
hiding the communism, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like force feeding them the communism. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so he started roofing doubters in the audience. Because, what? Yeah, because people would show up and be like, you're a fucking fraud or whatever. So if he knew that somebody was coming that was like going to be a disruptor or that he knew was having doubts or like some sort of non-believer, he would drug them. And then at some point during the service, he could say, I strike you down dead. And like right when he saw that they were going to pass out or something and then <gasps> and then like they'd pass out. What the fuck, man? <laughs> And then he'd just keep preaching and people would be like freaking out like, oh, my God, he has a power, you know, because he just like killed this person. <laughs> so then he'd keep preaching. And then later when he figured like he'd look at them and he's he's like, oh, they're about to come to he'd quote unquote heal them, you know, and he'd be like, are you ready to accept me? Like then awaken. And then they'd awaken and all the parishioners would be like, oh, this, this, this is, is fucking <laughs> crazy. This is showbiz, baby. I know. <laughs> this is a circus, a literal circus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, so people love this shit. Yeah. <laughs> and once Jim had a huge following, he was kind of like, okay, well, maybe we could start phasing out this healing bullshit and like start phase two of my agenda. Get right. All these people to renounce their possessions, become communists, and devote their lives to achieving equality. Uh huh. But people were like, "Boo! <laughs> <laughs> we're not trying Give to hear us that what shit." We want. <laughs> yes, bring back the healings. <laughs> <laughs> and a ton, a ton of followers left. And what? Yeah. And Jim was like, "Fuck that! That's never happening again." Next time, there's not going to be an option for people to leave. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. It's getting creepy. No, it's been creepy, but. <laughs> yeah, but this is. Cut to circa 1961. Jim had a vision of a nuclear explosion. I should probably mention that Jimmy does a lot of drugs. but Oh, yeah. But more on that later. <laughs> anyway, so he starts freaking the fuck out. And we're balls deep in the Cold War now. So honestly, it's not, it's a scary time and it's like kind of a valid fear, I guess. Mm -hmm. Then in January of 1962, Esquire put out an article about the safest cities on earth in the event of a nuclear war. And Jim was like, go on. Because this is Mm -hmm. like totally up his alley. Right. Which I feel you, Jim. This is totally an article that I would read. Like if I saw the, (laughs) if I saw the headline, I would be like, okay, let me read this. According to Esquire, this place in Brazil called Belo Horizonte was a prime location. So within a couple of months, Jim moved to Brazil with his family. Right. He he chose this place because it was fairly isolated. So he figured if he were able to move his whole congregation there in the near future, it would make it very difficult for people to ever leave again because he was still salty about the last time he lost hella followers. Okay. But it turns out this was a bad move for the Jones family. First of all, it turns out the Portuguese language is hard, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. So, uh, yeah, the Joneses couldn't pick it up. And obviously, that's going to be a problem. You're in fucking Brazil. Yeah. When my, my dude Paul from 90 Day Fiance learned what, quite a bit of Portuguese. Actually, yeah. See, where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> So, yeah, 
So they, second, it was fucking in the middle of nowhere. Right. So, it wasn't like pop in Brazil. Right. So there wasn't a lot for them to do out there, especially if you don't fucking speak the language. Right. So they ended up moving to Rio de Janeiro. Rio okay. de Janeiro. Okay, now we're in pop in Brazil. Yeah, pop in Brazil. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this was like a year later in 1963. And they actually did a lot of work there helping poor people in the slums. But when the People's Temple back in Indiana called and were like, everything's going to shit back here. We're losing people like crazy. Jim was like, you don't have to tell me twice. And immediately hopped a flight with his family back to the States in December. Because right. it was fucking hard down there. Right. Almost as soon as Jim gets back, people start coming back into the church. At the same time, a string of mysterious hate crimes. Ooh. Spoiler alert. They're being fabricated by Jim. Uh-huh. And something I haven't decided if I'm going to call jussying or smelletting. Ooh. <laughs> anyway. Smelletting. That rolls off the tongue <laughs> a little better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So uh, swatsikas start being drawn on the temple. A stick of dynamite was thrown at them. Jim's car windows were busted in. They slashed his tire. There were like gunshots it was a all, whole thing all like attacking him specifically yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah. okay well that's smart because at least well, i mean no it's not smart but <laughs> i mean i wouldn't want him to be doing these fake things to someone in his church uh, oh yeah 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 well right? like, i'm not sure but i think like the stick of dynamite was like thrown in the church or something oh okay oh gosh <laughs> uh yeah so Jim is like, I don't know, guys. I think Indiana hates us. They're too racist. We should probably move somewhere else, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, Jim starts preaching about the apocalypse. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Because, you know, also clearly these people fucking love drama. So they, they're like, ooh, the apocalypse. Yeah. like Yeah, they kind of like thrive off of that, uh -huh. like fear. Fear. Yep. Yeah. So he told them that nuclear war would begin on July 15th, 1967, and that they needed to move to safety so that they could rebuild the world as a socialist utopia. So the People's Temple hit the road. They're going, going back, back to Cali, Cali. And they moved to newly purchased 60 acres of land in Redwood Valley up in Northern California. Oh, nothing to do over there, but talk about the apocalypse. I'll tell you how much. <laughs> <laughs> there's wine though so then though was there yeah, at yeah. that time uh -huh. yeah yeah okay it's it's like on the outskirts of like mendocino god turned this water into wine <laughs> baby <laughs> for us that's what i was thinking with the rona i was like well i got cases of wine <laughs> yeah okay so uh some people go obviously because they believe in gym others because they just don't want to be left behind, you know? Right. You see That's all, your community. Yep, exactly. You see your community all leaving. You're like, well, what, what the fuck do I have left out here, you know? Yeah. But the point is, we are now far enough away from Indiana and isolated just enough that if anyone starts having doubts, it's going to be really tough for them to just leave the church, you know? Yeah. Like back in Indiana, you just didn't show up next week. And you kept your job at the local bowling alley or whatever. You still had a barbecue on Saturday with your neighbor. Out in California, you don't really know anybody. You sold everything to move out there and your life revolves around this church. So you're 
you're stuck. Yeah. I hate this so much. Yeah. He isolated them. He. Mm-hmm. This is on purpose. Yeah. He's an abuser. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's hard to say exactly how many members of the People's Temple there are now. Maybe close to a thousand. I don't know. And they all live in and around this property called The Ranch. It's basically a commune. Mm-hmm. Jim's nuclear apocalypse prediction date came and went. But it doesn't seem like that bothered very many of his followers, which I feel like that would bother me. You know, like if you if you're like, I'm I'm the Messiah and I predict this date and like nothing happened on that day. I'd be like, hmm, well, maybe you're not the Messiah. then. Maybe you're not. <laughs> maybe you're not all knowing. But these people are like blindly following this person. Mm-hmm. That's what becomes so dangerous. And he's been grooming them this whole time. Yeah. Like, he's been striking people dead in church and bringing them back to life. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just one small little mistake. You know what I mean? <laughs> Everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> Everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> I mean, if you saw a stick of dynamite being thrown in your way and like this guy True. saved you from it, you yes. would fucking believe everything he said. Okay, so around this time, he had started to chip away a little bit at the facade that this quote-unquote religion had anything to do with God. And he began to be more open about this whole thing basically being a vehicle to introduce people to communism. Uh In the community, members of the People's Temple ran soup kitchens, animal shelters, adult education centers, free legal aid clinics, food banks, homeless shelters, employment centers, funded scholarships, you fucking name it. Once again, some good fucking ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Jonestown sound pretty good right about now. (laughs) Tell you one thing, all that isolation, they're not going to have the Rona. Uh, They sure ain't. (laughs) But get this, this is how they made their fucking money. Uh Uh-huh. They bought old folks' homes and assisted living facilities, and they made the residents sign lifetime care agreements in exchange for handing over all of their social security checks. Wow. Yeah. So, like, they're like, we're going to take care of y'all. Don't worry. You're going to be well taken care of, but give us all of your money. All of your motherfucking money. God, that sounds hella illegal. It probably is, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And... On top of that, they got paid by Medicare, you know, because they're like, right. it's an assisted living facility. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they're getting paid. I think I heard it was $300 per patient, which is a lot of <sighs> money at that time. Yeah. Plus, they're getting all those checks from Social Security. Uh-huh. This is crazy. And, you know, all they have to do for that Medicare money is like, take their fucking blood pressure. And yeah. Like- <laughs> Change <laughs> their sheets. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Hand out their medicine. Uh-huh. That's crazy. So they're making fucking paper. Right. And that's how they funded all their social programs. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So now it's the early 1970s. And Jim's dream for all intents and purposes kind of came true. He's like, I actually did this shit. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. So then he's like, fuck it. Guys, I'm going to be real with you. There is no sky god. The Bible is stupid. Sky God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the reincarnation of Gandhi, Jesus, Buddha, and Lenin. Call me father. Call Marceline mother. I am your God. I mean, 
that's a time to make this statement, right? I, like, right. Yeah, he timed it well. Yeah, because things are going well. They're looking right. around and they're like, we're, you know, we got all this wine. Right. We're, we're feeding the poor, help the sick. Like, right. The, right. You're exactly right. This is the time. So he's like, guess what, guys? We're all going to be celibate now. Oh, what? <laughs> I'm out. Never mind. Jonestown, not sounding very good to me anymore. Fuck it. I'm out. No more rubbing butts. <laughs> All that shit is doing is distracting you from the work we need to be doing in the church. Okay. Especially that gay shit. Gay stuff is gross. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> I bet you guys can all have a small idea of what's coming. Cut to December 3rd, 1973. And Jim was arrested for masturbating in a movie theater restroom and soliciting a male sex worker in MacArthur Park. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! Put that up there with Gillum. That's wild. Shout out to MacArthur Park. Yeah. <laughs> also, what a fucking flex. <laughs> Langers, wow. Get a number thirteen sandwich while you're down there having some this sex. Is crazy man. <laughs> How did <laughs> you can't do that, dude? You can't... <laughs> This you can't be now you cross the line. Yeah, you can't be setting up all the shit you're setting up and then fuck it up like that. Bad all at once. And you're at MacArthur Park. You need to get a fake ID. I know. You need to hide some bodies in the fucking lake. Throw a gun in the in the fucking pond. What the fuck? Grab I'm gonna grab a raspalo and a blowjob real quick. Well, I'm back in, baby. That sounds good. <laughs> That's where the headquarters should have been. Should have been. I'll tell you one thing. If the Jonestown headquarters were in MacArthur Park, where I could get a raspado and a lote and a langer sandwich, shit. Yeah. Sign me up, baby. Okay. So after his arrest, get, get this. Okay. <laughs> he told his followers oh. that, that he only had gay sex for other men's own good so that they could feel connected to him symbolically like closer to god closer to him okay <laughs> and that everyone else on earth is gay and that he was quote the only true heterosexual wow that's my favorite part of the whole story yeah this i can't even wrap my head around like how he's trying to explain it like he's the he got caught with his dick in a man's butt. Yeah. Or but actually, he's the only true heterosexual. Yeah. Actually, I don't know if he had his dick in a man's butt or if a man had his dick in his butt. Hey, man. Some say potato. Some <laughs> say potato. He, Jim Jones sounds like a top to me, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to. Oh, that's a wild guess. <laughs> People surprise you every Every day. <laughs> This yeah, is just one true. of life's little surprises. <laughs> <laughs> so, like you said, the arrest kind of shook not only Jim, but his inner circle. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> in an instant, he put everything that they had been working towards at risk. So Jim promised that he would no longer have anonymous sex. So apparently this was obviously not his first time. And he, what was he doing all the way out in MacArthur Park anyway? They're in Northern California. That's so, what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like probably, he probably did like a weekly road trip. Right. 
See you later, Marceline. Gonna go get my raspado. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, no more anonymous sex for old Jimmy. However, no, and this is where, like, it's sad. Uh, that unfortunately meant that he started preying on countless numbers of his own followers. Right. Yeah, so... He manipulated them, of course, telling them horrific stuff along the lines of how he explained away the gay sex like it was for their own good. Just really disgusting, abusive behavior, obviously. Make no mistake, this man was a sick fucking psychopath. And just when you think he couldn't hurt people any other way, he starts to find new and worse ways to abuse and prey on people. Right. So aside from abusing who knows how many of his followers, he had a handful of, I guess, like serious mistresses, mm-hmm. uh, one of whom he had a secret baby with. Oh, secret love. <laughs> he, because, you know, he's supposed to be celibate. Right. So when she found out she was pregnant, he sent her away to Mexico for nine months. And when he came back, when she came back with the baby, he explained it to his followers like, oh, she got raped by Mexicans when she was doing Ooh, missionary work down there, which is some racist ass shit. You're supposed yeah. to be. <laughs> this is real bad. Yeah, they're sending. What did what did the president say? They're sending uh, rapists and gu- guns, drugs. They're se- they're sending drugs. They're rapists. Yeah. Um, something else. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah anyway, uh, so Marceline had had a back injury at some point, which he said meant that she could no longer satisfy him sexually. So that's why he had to look elsewhere. Okay. Meanwhile, he's claiming to be celibate. Right. Such a fucking asshole. Anyway, when Marcelina found out about the affairs, she tried to divorce Jim. But Jim told her that if she did or disparaged him in public in any way, that she'd never see her kids again. So she stayed. Wow. Also, fuck her too, though, because yeah. like it took because he's cheating on you. Yeah, you, you want to be out. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but I don't know. Maybe he was. I don't know. Abusing her. Maybe he brainwashed her. Who knows? Yeah. So Jim's goal is now outreach and growth. He takes out ads in newspapers across the country and sends followers to travel cross country on eighteen buses, just scooping people up. Addicts, people experiencing homelessness, rebellious college kids, whatever. They'd pitch that they had this beautiful, self-sustained land and wine country, which obviously they did. And, of course, all the good that they were doing in the community. And then they'd say, all your needs are going to be taken care of as far as room and board and clothing, etc. And all you need to do is sell all your belongings, if you had any, and get on the bus. And a lot of people did. Membership swelled to just over 2,500 by 1973. And now Jim had sort of a better mix of people for his purposes because most of the original Indiana crew were devout Pentecostal Christians. And that just wasn't his vibe. So it was in his best interest to like mix things up a little bit. Right. Meanwhile, Jim is out of his mind on methamphetamines. Ooh. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Spice it up. (laughs) He takes them to stay awake and rarely sleeps. Uh, They also make him extremely paranoid, which is not a good look for someone who's having visions of nuclear apocalypse. 
So he starts hoarding his followers' money. If they didn't work full-time for the church essentially for free, he required that members give him 25% of their salaries and to gift the, and to gift the church any valuables they own, including jewelry and property. Oh, wow. So now he's raking in 20 grand a week. And when his followers start to ask where the money's going, he says that he's planning on building them a new vast commune. Yeah, so that what is that called? Foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's when Jim starts uh, started doing the thing that Jim fucking does, scamming, smiletting. Uh, he plants bombs, quote unquote bombs in his office, poison needles in his clothes. What? He's shot at at some point, complete with fake blood. Wow. And then he told his followers that he healed himself. Right. And once again, he's like, I don't know, guys. It seems like someone wants to assassinate me. Maybe we should get the mm -hmm. fuck out of here. But let's just say that for argument's sake that you're one of his followers and this is all starting to make you a little uncomfortable and you're like, you know what? This is getting too heavy. I think I, I, think I want to quit. Right. Jim enacted a policy where everyone had to sign their names to the bottom of a blank document that he threatened would be filled in with confessions for crimes like murder or rape or otherwise painful or humiliating information that he would turn into the authorities or your family back home. If you remember, Nexium did something similar. Right. Where they made people record themselves doing or saying like the most horrible things that they'd ever done. Right. And then they'd use it as collateral, like it, to blackmail them later in case they ever wanted to get out. Right. How did he get him to sign it under the guise of something else? Well, they're his followers. So they're going to do like whatever the fuck he says. So he's right. like, sign this blank paper and, you know, or else you're going to hell or whatever. Right. Anyway, so I don't know if this is common because now, I mean, that's like two cults that we've seen do that. Do that. Yeah. So I don't know if that's cults 101 or what. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there it has to be because you have to have some sort of way to force people to stay in. At least with Heaven's Gate, everybody was willing. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, that's a silver lining. I know yeah. it's awful, but everybody was like, like, you could see the videos that they took right before right. they they're and they're happy. like happy, very mm -hmm. happy and like excited. And mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, these are people who have underlying conditions that mm -hmm. needed treatment, but they weren't forced by right. bobo or whatever his name was <laughs> apple 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 wood? and coco something like that <laughs> not coco i don't know dodo <laughs> did you ever <laughs> watch you know that movie coco yeah i took it i took my mom to go see it in it spanish cute. yeah <laughs> what were you gonna say if you know the answer if you know the name of the guy <laughs> i did the episode <laughs> on it i don't even remember his name marshall <laughs> marshall yeah marshall something marshall you're right Apple but he he white. made his name something oh, yeah. funny. It was like uh, little Bo Peep. Yeah, Bo and yeah. Doe, I think. Oh yeah, that's right. That's Marshall right. Applewhite. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry okay. to this man. <laughs> okay, so we're still in 1973, and the People's Temple was founded in 1956. Mm -hmm. So Jim has been at this for 17 years. Quick maths. So, as you can imagine, there are now some kids and young adults that have been in this, most if not all of their lives. Right. This is what I think about Scientology. Scientology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I need a scary sound. I can't think of one. <laughs> Who's the person that makes you saddest as a Scientologist? Elizabeth Moss is up there for me because she's my, up there. Because my girl be acting. Yeah, but I don't necessarily like her that much. Something about her bothers me. Mm. I think it's like, I think she's kind of stuck up. Oh, she is. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I'm not a huge fan anyway. So up, I'm like, I'll take that L. She's uh, stuck up because she's good at her job, though. It's like Michael Jordan. Is that why she's I stuck think up? I, that's how I feel about it. I'm like, she, she's like, a, but you know what? Meryl Streep don't be acting like that. I know. That's what I'm saying. She fucking, she's someone. I'm, so whatever. I'll take the L on that. I don't really care as much that she's Scientologist. <laughs> Juliet uh, Lewis? Juliet Lewis is mm-hmm. probably for me. So Because I, and I really like the movies she's in for the I most know. part. She's so um, fucking great. Yeah. Not that I think she's particularly a good actress, but I just think she makes really good, cool choices. Yeah, she does. Um, And she just seems cool. Not stuck up. I actually just saw I like embarrassed that I even watched this movie, but Ma with, uh, oh, Octa- with <laughs> Octavia, Octavia Spencer, Spencer. Yeah. Juliet Lewis is in that too. Okay. And they're the two adults in that movie. And I'm like, ladies, you are so much better than this. Both of you, <laughs> both of you. Octavia Spencer has a motherfucking Oscar. Anyway. Yeah. That, don't watch that movie. guys. <laughs> no, or watch it right now that we're oh, going to stay true, in, true. you know? Also yeah. want to watch Contagion. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm not watching that shit. But, yeah, I remember that movie. Beck, but he's out, right? Beck is out, yep. Yeah. yeah we got him back. He's back, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah, not and everybody else, I'm like, eh, whatever. Why does it say Jerry Seinfeld is a Scientologist? Oh, no. Oh, Jerry, you know Jerry doesn't he's care Jewish, enough about right? that shit. Yeah, he's Jewish. Yeah. What the but fuck if, are they if, talking about? But if Jerry Seinfeld were a Scientologist, though, that would be the number My one. My number one. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Cruise, I don't give a fuck. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you glad that they never got Nicole? Yeah, super glad. Yeah, she would be up there. She would be. Probably she would be my eight. number one, probably. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so anyway, like I said, there's people who have been in this all their lives. At this point, a group of eight college kids who grew up in the People's Temple tried to defect. They became known as the Gang of Eight or the eight revolutionaries. They kept their plan secret from everyone, including their families, because they had already been threatened when they went away to school that if they ever tried to believe that they would be killed. Wow. Mm-hmm. So props to these brave kids. I can't even tell you like, ooh, the balls that it took to even attempt to do this. Right. Anyway, so the gang of eight sent a letter to Jim calling him and the People's Temple hypocritical. They called him out on the celibacy issue, which is like kind of an open secret at this point. Right. They asked why the church leadership was basically all white. Ooh. Uh-huh. If one of the main missions of the church was supposedly racial equality. Oh, no. These kids are asking too many questions. <laughs> I'm scared for them. Hashtag cult so white. Uh-huh. <laughs> And they called him out on how the money was being used within the church. And also why, like, you know, if they're communists, like, why are the people that gave the most money have the highest positions? Right. You know, so all very fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So when Jim read this letter, he was pissed, to say the least. He started a campaign of actively harassing them, sending them threatening letters, taking out obituaries in their names in the newspapers parking hearses outside their houses 
these are kids. These are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also remember they don't have their families. Right. Because their families are still in it. So it's like they have no one to turn to. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's a- absolutely horrible. So again, good for them. Jim took this defection as a sign that more people were about to start leaving the church. So he decided that he needed to tighten the reins on his people. He started a campaign of abuse and discipline where members were humiliated by being berated in front of the entire congregation, sometimes for hours, and or being violently whipped on stage with a belt. What? Mm -hmm. This happened to both children and adults for transgressions as little as hugging, smoking, or made up shit like, oh, you were selfish. What? So it like could happen to anyone at any time for anything, basically. These punishments became more and more extreme. People were forced to eat their own vomit. They were kept awake for days. All just like your basic CIA torture shit. Right. I fucking hate this man so yeah. much. And the fact that this was happen- happening to kids too is like... Right. Hmm. Okay, so... This is also around the time that Jim started talking about revolutionary suicide. To be clear, revolutionary suicide was a concept that was introduced by Huey P. Newton of the Black Panther Party in the late 1960s. Huey meant that during the fight for civil rights, activists would inevitably die for the cause, not by their own hands, but at the hands of others who oppose what they wanted to achieve. Think Martin Luther King. Right. So what he meant by it was doing the work despite knowing that there was a good chance that it would get you killed. Right. Jim corrupted this idea to mean literal suicide. The gang of eight leaving for him just set off this notion in his mind. He talked about filling the church buses with followers and driving them off the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh my gosh. When some of the inner circle pushed back on this, telling Jim to kill himself if he wanted to, but to leave the rest of them out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Jim declared that no, he would be the only survivor so that he could tell the world exactly what happened and why they chose to die for their cause. Oh. Also, just remember that documentary, The Bridge, if you would like something else disturbing to watch during the... Oh, my God. Remember yeah. That one? Yeah. Oh, I got chills. Mm-hmm. On New Year's Day, 1976, at a gathering with some of his followers, Jim brought out trays of wine to make a toast. Each person in the room made the toast and chugged the wine. Then Jim told them that they'd just been poisoned. People started freaking the fuck out, of course. Jim announced that anyone who tried to get medical attention was a traitor and that he was keeping a close eye on anyone that made any attempts to save their own lives. The older folks became weak and like started to faint. After about 45 minutes of this pandemonium, people realized that it probably wasn't true. But... Jim admitted that it was a test and told them that they should all be ready to commit revolutionary suicide. Wow. And that, quote, the last orgasm he wanted to have was death and that he wanted to take them all with him. Whoa. By 1977, when all these extreme practices started to leak to the press, a lot of antennas went up about the People's Temple. For one, they started to become very important in Bay Area politics. Remember remember that they do a lot of good in the community. So mm. people love them. And an endorsement from them was a must if you were going to win an election in the Bay Area. 
So Jim counted as friends and allies some of the most successful Bay Area politicians, including Willie Brown and Harvey Milk. So the media started to do some digging because like now they're major political players. So like they're getting all this attention. And also people are starting to be like, listen, things are going off the rails over here. There's like the suicide thing that just happened. And like, so they're getting, they're getting leaks and they start to do some digging and they pretty quickly uncovered a lot of their dirty secrets from the torture to the fake healings, to the sexual abuse, and at least seven suspicious deaths of people's (gasps) temple members. Oh my God. I won't go into all of those, but like, yeah, there was like one person who Jim was like, uh, I predict that this woman's going to die tomorrow because she was like talking shit, not talking shit, but she was like starting to ask too many questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, I predict that you're going to die tomorrow. And she was found hanged the next <gasps> day. One of his bodyguards who another person asking too many questions uh, was shot like a few weeks later. It was like seven of those where it's too many coincidences. It was weird. Right. Marshall Kilduff at the San Francisco Chronicle put together a pretty scathing expose on the People's Temple, including firsthand accounts from members of the church and on-the-record interviews from with former members. But he received resistance about publishing it at the Chronicle because Jim had connections there. So while Kilduff shopped the story elsewhere, Jim was tipped off that the story was about to drop. And that's when, seemingly overnight, Jim and hundreds of his followers picked up and moved to one of the church's compounds in South America in the nation of Guyana. Hmm. Jim had first visited Guyana on a, on a layover several years ago during that first trip to Brazil. So this was quite a while in the making. It was an isolated English-speaking socialist country which really appealed to Jim, and he kept it in mind until he finally had the cash to lease some land there years later in 1976. Jim made a deal with the Guyanese government to develop the land in exchange for a 25-year lease at only $1,000 a year. So Jim snatched up the patch of jungle and dubbed it Jonestown. Hmm. The problem was that it was literally a jungle. Mm Mm-hmm. The first 50 or so People's Temple members that got there uh, when he got the land. So this is before the the overnight trip where like a lot of people went. Right. But like the first people who got there had to straight up clear the jungle with machetes. And keep in mind that these are just regular schmecular folks. These aren't engineers or contractors or construction workers. Right. So they're doing this backbreaking physical labor, 12, sometimes 16 hours a day to make this a livable commune. And at first, you know, there's not that many people there. And this is like a lot of land. They had, you know, they had a few cows, they had chickens, they had pigs. There was, they were eating well. They were doing a lot of physical labor, but they were okay. Right. But then as they started to clear more and more of the jungle and more and more people started coming, supplies started to dwindle and life became harder there. So as the jungle cleared, and more members trickled in from California every so often. They kept building it out over time. So that by the time Jim made the move, they had cottages and infirmary, warehouses, farmhouses, feed storage. They had honestly fucking a lot, but they weren't ready for the mass exodus from California to happen all at once like that. Right. So they weren't nearly ready enough for that many people because there were nearly a thousand people now. Not only that they have 
that they not have the infrastructure, but they didn't have the food or the resources. So the socialist paradise that Jim had been promising them that they were going to is in reality a few shacks in the jungle. Right. And they were expected to help build it out. The existing cottages were only meant to house four people, but now they were busting at the seams with 10 or 12 people per cottage. But despite this, the followers weren't panicked yet. They were unhappy for sure. They were like, you lied to us. But they figured that they would only be there for a few weeks or worst case scenario, a few months, and then they could all go back home. But Jim knew that he could never go back home. So no one else could either. The secret was out about everything he had been doing to his followers, and he would surely get swooped up by the FBI if he ever set foot in the United States again for human rights violations. Right. So now the residents of Jonestown are subsisting on rice and gravy, literally doing backbreaking slave labor in the hopes of fulfilling Jim's dream of creating a socialist utopia. Jim cut off all communication from the U.S. to Jonestown residents and started making shit up about what was going on back home. He told them that a race war had happened and that thousands were dying in the streets, that black people were being sent to concentration camps. And then he started orchestrating fake atta- fake attacks on Jonestown by asking his son his sons to go into the jungle and start shooting at the communes. Not at people, but just like at buildings and stuff. Right. And then he told his followers that they were under attack by mercenaries and they needed to stick together and form an army because they and- couldn't leave. And they didn't have access to like news or anything back at home, right? So, oh, fuck, this is crazy now. So as far as they know, there is no home to go back to because he said a race war happened. And they probably didn't have their own money anyways to like be able to To, get out of there. Right. There's some, like, there's, I think a total of two people that tried to escape. Uh, They walked into the jungle and they're, a day day's walks away from civilization Uh so they walk into the jungle and they're you know they show up at like the city and like they knock on the door not that there's a door to the city but you know what i mean but they're like listen crazy shit is going on over there and the guyanese government was like are you sure i think you should go back Ooh, yeah it's wow yeah so people are shooting at them from outside Jonestown and he says like we got to stick together we have to form an army because we can't leave or we're all going to be captured and tortured by mercenaries meanwhile he's still out of his mind on meth so he's staying awake for days at a time constantly speaking into the commune's loudspeaker talking about the apocalypse the deteriorating society back home the merits of communism and most of the time babbling nonsense so now people are freaking the fuck out right and they're like, Jim fucking lost it. It's obvious, mm, you know? Right. But he still controls people through corporal punishment. All the same things as before. The the beatings, the eating vomit, the keeping them awake for days at a time. Uh, he locks dissenters in small boxes again for days. He drugged people until they nearly overdosed. He made people till the land by hand for days and days. And again, this is just like before. This is for you hugged someone you like uh you said i want to go home that was enough to cause you to be punished like this things were getting so bad that people would quickly report any infractions big or small by the people around them so that they didn't incur the wrath of jim fuck so it's like 
your your husband and your or your wife might be like, oh, my wife said she wanted to go home, and then like she would be sent wow. to be like locked in a box or little kids. Yeah, little kids would be like, my daddy said he wanted to go home. Yeah, they were gone. Ugh. Okay. And Jim started doing what he called white nights. A white knight is when he would awaken his followers in the middle of the night through the loudspeaker and force them to the center of the commune with with armed guards. Oh, by the way, he started smuggling in weapons. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He would then preach to them and ask who was ready to commit revolutionary suicide. The first time, not many people said yes. I think they said like two or three people raised their hand and they were only like the inner circle people. Mm Mm-hmm. Mind you, uh, these are almost a thousand people and over 300 children. He then forced them to drink a poison either at gunpoint or by holding them down and shoving the drink down their throats. He'd then tell them they'd be dead within 45 minutes and to welcome death. Spoiler alert, it wasn't really poison. Right. He'd do this every week or two until he groomed them to just fucking want to get it over with. You know, right. this was, he was, they're doing backbreaking work all 16 hours a day. And then he's right. waking them up in the middle of the night and telling Pretending them to do this. to poison them. Yeah. So it's not even real. So they're right. just like, come on. Exactly. So at some point they're just like, ugh, or whatever, you know, they're completely desensitized. Mm-hmm. Those who resisted were of course punished in brutal and horrible ways in the coming weeks. Although there were some people who actually wanted to die at this point because things are just fucking bleak. You know, they weren't, they weren't eating. People were, sick right they're doing slave labor it's just like some people were just like yeah i do want to die so if this is the time that he fucking really does it i'm fucking ready to die yeah and like i said this happened over and over and over again right meanwhile back at home all these people have families i mean they do back home you know or people neighbors or people who wondered what happened to all these people so people back home are starting to raise a fuss and and ring the alarm and they start talking to their congressmen and to their mayors and especially in the bay area they're like what the fuck is happening that shit is not normal right they just took off overnight they're never coming back so finally they get to a congressman leo ryan a fucking hero Mm -hmm. who is like you know what I'm going to investigate. So first he tries to investigate from home. Right. Meanwhile, most of these, most of the politicians, because remember they had been like really close with politicians up there. Yeah. In cahoots kind of. Yeah. Most of those people weren't doing shit. Harvey Milk actually was like, don't worry. This is a great man. Whatever's going on down there. Don't worry about it. Right. I mean, shout out to Harvey Milk, but that, I mean, that was a misstep. Right. But anyway, Congressman Ryan is like, He's getting all these affidavits from people talking about like, you you know, I haven't heard from my family. They would be sending letters at least, you know, if they were safe, they would be sending letters. So he got together with a couple of the people that had investigated the JFK assassination and the U.S. intelligence agencies. And they were like, you know what? Something's going on down there. So he took it upon himself to put together a little team to go investigate. So in November 1978, Congressman Ryan went down there himself to Jonestown to investigate the human rights abuses. So it was him, a few relatives of the temple members, an NBC camera crew, and some reporters, some newspaper reporters. They arrived on November 15th. 
Two days later, they traveled by plane to Jonestown, and then they were met by Jim Jones in a limousine. And then he showed them all the nice parts of Jonestown. Right. There weren't very many, but like there were right. there, there were some things that looked okay. And he right. only let them see the people who weren't sick and who looked well fed. But then as Congressman Ryan was going around, he would kind of ask people, do you want to go home? And right. Of course, people would not answer or not say anything. But they're scared. They're so scared. But he said that there were, somebody slipped him a note like, oh, wow. I want to go home. And then he saw that some people would not reveal anything like they would they wouldn't answer or something. But he could see it in their eyes that something was happening. Yeah. And then somebody, a member of the church, tried to attack him with a knife on the afternoon of November 18th. So they had to get the fuck out of there. Mm -hmm. So they immediately pick up. They're like, okay, we see what we have to see. We're going to go. Does anyone want to come with us? Mm -hmm. And 15 temp temple members were like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, we want to go. Yeah. yeah. They head to the airport with Congressman Ryan. When they're getting on the plane, members of the temple show up with guns and just open fucking fire. And Congressman Ryan shot and killed immediately. And then four other members of the party were killed, including an NBC reporter, Don Harris, NBC cameraman, Bob Brown, San Francisco Examiner reporter, Greg Robinson, and a member of the temple, Patricia Parks. Surviving the attack were future Congresswoman Jackie Spear, Richard Dwyer, the deputy chief of the mission from the U.S. Embassy. Bob Flick, a producer for NBC, Steve Sung, an NBC sound engineer, Tim Brightman, a San Francisco Examiner reporter, Ron Javers, a Chronicle reporter, Charles Krauss, a Washington Post reporter, and the rest of the members of the temple. And they all just like disperse into the jungle. Right. Most of them are wounded, mind you. Mm -hmm. So they're in the jungle hiding and they can hear that they're still be being shot at. Mm -hmm. So all they can do is hide out. So flash forward a few days, those people are still in the jungle and their wounds are infected. There's maggots in their wounds and stuff. And they finally think, oh, it's safe to come out. And those people are safe. Thank goodness. Yeah. Okay. But back at Jonestown. So the shooters go back to Jonestown and they tell Jim they tried to get away. If we shot them, it's done. Yeah. That's when Jim is like, all right, it's time for the real white night. It's time for revolutionary suicide. Right. So he had employed a member of the church who was not a doctor. He pulled him a few months back from med school and told him, what do you think is the best way to kill a thousand people? <laughs> <laughs> and this guy was like, cyanide. Cyanide. <laughs> yeah. He was like, cyanide, I think is like, it's the easiest way to do it. So he yeah. was like, cool, um, figure out what the proportions are, get it done. Yeah, right. what flavor you think right, would exactly. be the best? Yeah. So he calls everybody into the into the center of the commune and they're thinking, oh, a fucking again, right? Yeah. But that's when they realize like this can't be the same as before because the congressman was just here. Yeah. He had to leave with a quickness because someone just tried to kill him. Mm -hmm. Like, this is it. Yeah, shit is blowing up. Right. So... He's on his loudspeaker fucking preaching about the apocalypse as per usual. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's like, all right, it's fucking time. So 
now the people who were kind of like uh like oh i just want to get it over with like before they were like no no we're not doing this and they were forcibly held down injected with poison with cyanide babies were injected with cyanide mothers forced their children to drink cyanide they were forced at gunpoint all in all 909 inhabitants of jonestown 304 of them children that's fucking crazy died that day and a, a lot of uh the last preaching or whatever he was doing mm-hmm. is recorded. You can listen to the audio recording. Yeah. yeah. It's all recorded. If you want to listen to that podcast in a case file, it's like it's all happened. And you can hear sometimes the screams in the background. And you can hear people like like trying to argue with him, like why? And like uh-huh. all this stuff. Like and oh, it's so awful. Yeah. So he's telling them, you know, this is this has to be done this whole time. He's like, it has to be done. I've been trying to negotiate with the Soviet Union to take us in as refugees. They said no, because we just killed the congressman. Yeah. This is it. We have no choice. Yeah. So cyanide and Kool-Aid. Great yeah. flavor, if anyone's interested. That's where the saying comes from. They yeah. drink the Kool-Aid. Drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. All right. So Jim Jones. Now he's alone in his fucking house. Marceline is dead. She's been poisoned. Uh, his sons, a couple of his sons drink the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. A few of his sons actually weren't there because mm-hmm. there was a team of... Like um, a basketball team or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They played on a basketball team and they were a few towns over. Right. And when it, was, when it all started going down, he called them and he was like, come home right fucking now. And, and they were like, no. And they were like, no. Right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. His son was like, I don't know. Like, this, yeah. sounds, this sounds bad. So they tried to ring the alarm, actually. Yeah. And no one listened to them. They were like, you're fucking crazy. The congressman is down there. It's fine. Right. There are some of the survivors who will still talk about it often. Yeah. Yeah. His son, Stephen, is the, is the main one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, so Jim is like delirious on fucking drugs. He's now, right. he's now not only taking the meth but he's also on phenobarbital which is an anti-convulsant it's a depressant so he's like fucking taking everything and he's seeing all these people dying horrendous deaths that's another thing we need to mention that cyanide is not a quick and painless death no it's like people will start foaming at the mouth and convulsing and yelling and screaming and pain and anyway so he saw all those other people dying like that he was like not for me Mm -hmm. and my dude kills himself via gunshot wound to the head Mm-hmm. that was it all of a sudden it was over only a handful of people were able to escape like i said the people who the remaining 14 temple members who fled into the jungle right the kids who were playing basketball a few towns over right and there were um, some people who like when he was making the last loudspeaker announcement to go in there they fled and into the jungle yeah, into the jungle there were a couple there was one old man who he didn't go because he had been sick. Right. And he was just like, like, this is another fucking white night thing. So he just hid he just out. stayed, yeah. And then when the armed guards came to make sure that everyone was out of the fucking barracks, he hid in a ditch and he just stayed there. Yeah. When Jim's son, Stephen, got back and saw what the fuck happened, right. he went back and called the authorities and they came to check everything out. And then that's when they saw the fucking bodies. And it looked, I can't imagine coming upon this. It has to be horrible. So 
the scary thing that you always hear people talk about is that they thought, oh man, there's like a, there's like 200 people dead here. But yeah. they didn't realize that the bodies were like three, four layers deep. Yeah, it's like a dog pile of bodies. Yeah. So once they started moving people, they were like, oh fuck, there's a thousand people here. Right. Yeah, so that's pretty much, I mean, there's nothing else that really happens after that. That's the story yeah. of Jonestown. That's fucking crazy, man. It was like the biggest suicide or uh mass death of americans before 9-11 yeah right like yeah. forever and when you think about it it's a third of the people that died at 9-11 so it's a shit it's, ton of people it's an insane amount of people it's ridiculous yeah super scary good job me <laughs> thank you i feel like he, there's some heroes in that story congressman ryan yeah and, uh, and jackie spear also who's now a congresswoman yeah the fact that they were like fucking somebody has to do something and it's gonna be us like the fact that yeah. they went down there and did that shit uh, yeah yeah oh thanks for listening guys <laughs> <laughs> um sorry i forgot we're the drama club <laughs> hit us up on instagram and twitter at drama club pod on the website drama club pod.com on the hotline 505-539-0556 at our P.O. Box, P.O. Box number 27433 LACA90027. Uh, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts, unless you don't like our Michael Hutchins episode. Yeah, then don't leave us a review. <laughs> and tune in next week. Bye. Bye. However, whatever with your helmet.